Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. You've got Miles here doing the opener because Gavin's on the boat, transferring it up to Thailand, and the moisture killed his computer. So that's good for me, and hopefully that will be good for you, too. On that note, let's start with housekeeping. Because I'm in charge, this week, there's no housekeeping. This episode features Maxime Bellaman, blogger, pilot, author, and, and paragliding legend. He's written a few books that provide structure and insights into the sport we love, the mindset that's essential to not only winning competitions, but being safe in the air, and a lot of really interesting science all folded into a very approachable and understandable way to pursue the sport that uh, is so important to us. Uh, I think that Maxime is probably the full package, as we say here, and I think what you'll find in this fairly lengthy episode is something that works for almost everybody, whether you're a P2 pilot, a P4 pilot, a world-class PWC comp pilot. There's just a lot to learn here and uh, and really exciting to, to hear this episode. So with no further ado, let's just dive into it. Uh, this week's episode, Maxime Bellaman with Gavin. Maxime, welcome to the mayhem. This has taken us a lot of time to put this together. You're a pretty busy guy and uh, seem to be traveling a lot. I know you just got back from Brazil, but I've been really excited to talk to you because uh, your books have just really drawn me in. I've, I've really enjoyed them. So uh, I look forward to kind of piecing them apart with you and, and teasing out some of the stuff that was harder to write and uh, get your thoughts on all things paragliding. But welcome to the show and thanks for your time. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks a lot for the invitation and also for the nice words. It's um, really warming and I really appreciate that. Um, it's been a long time since we tried to set up this uh, conversation and I'm, I'm really interested in to having this conversation with you and sharing it with all your uh, auditors. Yeah, well, and and let's just let's just tuck into it right from the right from the start. Uh, Charles gives a really good kind of opening to your books and talks about, you know, uh, you making this really cool move in, in Serbia and, and winning the World Cup there. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that. But your your first book, I don't know if you read my review. I reviewed it for Cross Country Magazine a few months back. Uh, it kind of takes us, you know, you talk about the personal journey and focusing on your weaknesses. I've got all kinds of notes here. I'll let you talk about the book. But first of all, why the book? Why why was it carved up into two different sections? And and what was what's your kind of background? Help the audience understand your personal background that allowed you to write this these books. All right. So first, yes, I read your article, Gavin, be aware. <laughs> and I thank you for that. Um, my personal background is like uh, I started paragliding in um, 1994, so a long time ago. Sure. Um, and it was um, because uh, I live in the Paris area, but my family is from the Alps, and uh, I could see some crazy guys falling off the, the mountain for years already there. 
And um, my bro, my girlfriend at the time, um, she, she she had a leave from the work for, for, for some time and she decided to go for a training course uh, without telling me. So when she came back, she said, oh, it's great. But I said, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced it's great, but why didn't, tell you, why, why didn't you tell me about this? So I... <laughs> I, I I made my, my first um, course in 1993 or 1994. And then um, the two of us uh, living as a couple in Paris, we only practice like 10 days, max tw- 20 days a, a year. So for the next 10 years, I, I made some very interesting progress and I could fly 100k flights, but it was like a leisure. It was not nothing more than this. What happened is that it's a bit personal, but that's how life it is. Um, we split, <laughs> mm. and I, I just wondered how could I keep on practicing this um, very nice sport that I really enjoy. And one of my very good friends at the time um, told me, "Hey, look, I I tried competitions, and it's uh, over weekends here in the French Alps, and uh, you come and they they they." they put you in your shuttle to go up the hill and then they give you a lunch package for the uh, for the food and then if you land out and you don't reach goal then there is a retrieve to pick you up and sometimes on Saturday evening there is a party it it was quite a good <laughs> description of uh, yeah, of the that's, competition that's <laughs> yeah yeah so I, I I tried and I bite into it so um uh, I I made a first year in the regional comps here in France, second year at um, the national level. Then I went for international comps, and the the, the year after I was um, entering the, the the PVC scene. So uh, it completely changed my practice uh, as I moved from maybe 10, 20 hours a year to 100, 120. Uh, but nevertheless, that's not a, a big number, um, mm. and First comps I made with the top French pilot at the time, long time ago, I could see them fly and I, I couldn't understand what they were doing because it was like paramotoring for me. Um, I, I thought they had an engine to do what they were doing. So um, I, I wanted to understand better um, the, 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 the triggers and the, 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 the important factors um, to improve my practice and to, 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 to make some progress. Uh, being an engineer, uh, um, I also have an MBA degree, um, still living in Paris. Uh, what you don't know is that I started my own company. The same year I started the paragliding, I, I founded a company, a software um, company. It was the, the early days of the, the GPS. So uh, we were selling software and developing software about mapping and routing and navigation and then tour planning and so on. So um, I had little free time. So all my vacation time was dedicated to paragliding. So six, seven weeks a year, but it's not enough to, to make the progress I wanted to, to make. So mm. as I could not practice a lot, I had time during the winter to reflect on the practice and to look for, uh, what's important and how to prepare 
as well. Because you can fly and simply fly and fly again, and then you will, you will make some progress. But I think that it's not only about practicing. I think the training and the preparation, as in any other kind of sport, is very important. Um, by the way, that's why my book is separating two, is splitting two. So you have one first part about preparation, and the other second one is about the, 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 the execution, about the, the, the real flying. Um, so I went um, a lot to the library to find books, to discuss with um, sportsmen in other disciplines or the kind of practice. And I found a frame that is used in many sports that divides the performance factors into four different categories, uh, namely um, physical training or physical aptitudes, then the technical, then the tactical. Technique is about what you are able to do and perform. In, and then the tactics is related to what you do compared to others. And the fourth one is mental. Uh, and I think this one really uh, was an age. It, 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 um, it was, how can I say that? Um, you know, to practice, we all have, at high level, we all have the same level of technique, more or less. Some are better than others, for sure, but that's, that's, that's granted that we all have a good technical uh, skill set. Um, tactics, well, nowadays, uh, tactics are pretty limited in what you can do um, to confront a gaggle. Um, then, Physical, ah, yes, something is interesting about physical training. We are not, we are not seen as sportsmen quite often, or we don't behave as sportsmen. So I trained and I prepared my body to be prepared for long flights and to also have a better recovery and to be also fit for six days in a row, seven days in a row. So I put some hours into the physical training. And then I think what made the big difference for me is the mental training. Um, that's where I, I mentioned that I had a personal journey. I think it helped me not only becoming a, a better paragliding pilot, but also a better, a better person. Um, because I had to look into me and to understand the way I behave, the way I think, the way I act, the way I decide, so that I could use this better in a competitive um, scene. So you see, I, uh, I had this approach of um, categorizing the performance factors into chapters. And um, you asked me about writing the book. In fact, writing the book only, uh, I think I wrote this book in 2015, so four years ago in French. So it was after like 10 years of practice that I, I felt like I was ready to, to share and to, 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 to put in a single shell all my knowledge that I was willing to share, or not only knowledge, but also experience. Um, <clears throat> Something um, that happened also is that um, when I started 
traveling uh, for international competitions. Uh, for sure, I have friends and I have family, so I send them emails to tell them, oh, I've done this, or oh, I've done that, oh, look, um, I'm not too happy with what I did here, maybe I should improve that, so, and I was not very, um, um, uh, what's the word, I, I was not very happy because I was making a lot of copy and paste into my emails from one friend to another, or to my family, to mm. my sister, or to my father, and that was not nice, you know, um, mm. not having those personal notes, so, that's when I started to, um, I set up a blog uh, where I could share with my family and friends uh, my little adventures. And I, it, it, became, it became obvious for me that first, I loved writing, and second, that it helped me to be honest with myself every evening about what I produced during the day, and I could um, recalibrate myself for the next day. So I could I could clearly put on paper what was good or bad, what I should improve or I should ex- uh, what I should accept, uh, so that for the next day uh, I would make an improvement somewhere. And um, with those blog entries uh, every single day during competition, so I. I had a lot of stuff accumulated there. Um, it also helped me to build an audience. And um, I was also part of a team. Uh, and to promote that team, we were uh, giving conferences. And so to prepare and to, to run those conferences, uh, I prepared some PowerPoints, a uh, presentation where I try to put my ideas in a clear way so that they could help others to find their own way and to make their own uh, progression. I'm not pretending I have recipes or I have answers for everything, but I think I can help to ask the right question and then to find a way to answer those questions. Yeah, and you've done a really good job of that. You, You stress journaling in both books. Uh, the importance of keeping a notebook in your flight deck. Um, this is not something I see from from many pilots, but I, I certainly see it from some. And I, you, you take us through the journey of those those four categories of physical preparation and and you know uh, technical ability and strategy. Mm-hmm. You take us through these really well, but you you do focus on the on the journaling, and I find. One of our recent guests, Alex Roby, does the same thing. He has a fantastic, he doesn't do many comps, but he's really good at big triangles and identifying the good days and identifying the good launch for those days, which is really important. Um, but like you, is very limited in time. Uh, so he, you know, he might get 10 days a year where he can go do these, these big, you know, try to nail these big flights. And it sounds like for him as well, journaling and blogging was a really important piece of the equation. Yeah, I, 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 I listened to that podcast of, of Alex. Uh, I met Alex um, during the PVC Australia two years ago, and uh, this guy is so modest, and um, his low profile while he's so tall and such a brilliant pilot, and I think I share many um, common views with him. Yes, sure. It's, um, um, he's a really great guy, and uh, I think we were 
uh, you asked him about being an engineer on the approach of an engineer. Maybe I share also the same mindset as he has. <laughs> There's so many engineers in this sport. I, 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 you know, I was the the first really interesting conversation I had w- w- with Michael Vichy in the 2015 X Alps was all about that because he's an engineer, and mm-hmm. uh, I just find it fascinating that minds like yours, and they're certainly not like mine, are, are so attracted to this sport. I, I love it. Yeah. The point is that we, not depending on the, the way our mind is built, we all have also affect and emotions. And this is something that is, well, should be uh, common. And Alex didn't talk too much about this, but I, I would like, if I have a new uh, possibility to talk to him, I would like to discuss with him about emotions, the way uh, um, he managed this and... Uh, he explained this uh, about being cool at the beginning of the day and um, everything will be fine for him because he's picking up his days. He will, he, he will never be in the air when it's a nasty day because simply he, 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 he doesn't want to do that. So, um, and he doesn't have time to do that. And uh, I, I really share this approach. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's a great approach to risk management, isn't it? Which yeah. you often really don't have that. And you, you call that out in your book, you know, that you can't really, you shouldn't get too stressed before taking off about the weather conditions of the day if they're bad because you're in a comp. You got to fly anyway. Exactly. And uh, I also use the um, earth, rate, uh, earth rate monitor to, to, yep. to, 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 to analyze my... Um, at, at first, it was to analyze my um, energy con- consumption. But, you know, there is a good cor- correlation in between your heartbeat and uh, the, the, the level of stress that you're feeling. Um, it's not fully correlated, but correlation is good. And I, what I could see is that the, the lower I, I was, the, the slower my my heartbeat was. Uh, so it's it's not uh, totally natural because you could expect that when you're low, you should be in a rush to find for thermal and not willing to learn and so on. But no, that's where I'm the coolest person. It's it's when I'm low. Um, and on the contrary, when I'm high and flying fast, that's where my heartbeat raises. Mm, you're yeah. excited when it's where you're low. You're focused, probably. Exactly. Yeah. And you need you need all your you need all your abilities when you are low. You 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 need to to have your full concentration. You need to have um, your 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 technical skills at, at the top. So you. You 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 can squeeze every possible possible opportunity to to climb up. You you point that out really well in the in the second book in in performance that the the or sorry the efficiency and execution. You point that out that often when we're on when we're going to goal, our focus becomes quite narrow and we lose the ability to. Uh, you know, take in all the information that we've had, like you're talking about when you're low and you're really open to every possibility that often becomes quite narrow going into goal. And that has gotten me a bunch of times uh, that, you know, you're just, you're just so focused on this end point that you forget that you're still, uh, you're still flying a paraglider. You still got to take in all the information and find better lines and look at other people and, uh, you're, you're quite succinct about that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also a qualified coach, um, for paragliding since 2010. And 
I'm also an instructor and, um, for, for, for cross country and SIV and so on. So um, I'm coaching people and groups uh, on camps. And uh, August this, this year, I coached a group of five um, pilots that went to Turkey. And once again, I can tell you once again, there was one guy who landed short of goal. And I, he, he could not tell me about what happened. Mm. So we simply had a look at his track and at his instrument. And he simply didn't look at his instrument about the, you know, it, it gives you a full set of information, glide ratio, efficiency, uh, height above goal and so on. And, and, and the, 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 the instrument is just on his cockpit, 30 centimeters from his eyes, but he, he didn't see it. He simply didn't look at it. So, and you need to, when you make some track analysis, it helps you to come back to reality. Um, we have lots of impressions and feelings when flying, but sometimes we have to reconnect with reality. Um, at personal level, I think you, maybe you, you've noticed this and maybe you smile or laughed when you read that in the book, but, mm. um, during my progression, I could feel like I was, I was dozy. I, wa I was sleeping a bit in the air after one hour of flying. So I watched, I, I, I used my watch to, to set an alarm so that it would beep. It would, um, ring every single hour. <laughs> just to that, be sure I really, that uh, I really like that because it's it's amazing that uh, you know if, when we're flying it seems that I think what attracts almost all of us to flying is that you can't be doing something else when you're flying you're not thinking yeah. about your bills you're not thinking about your girlfriend you're not you know you're you're fully in the moment but you're not fully in the moment a lot of times. Well, some, there are a lot of times in a flight even in a competition where I'll have to grab myself and go get back in the game, dude. Where, yeah. where'd you just go for the last couple of minutes? Yeah. So I, what, what, another story about this, it's, you asked me about Brazil. Uh, I was there three weeks ago for the PVC. <clears throat> uh, I, it was not the last task. It was the, the one before the last task. Um, I was getting into goal full speed and I usually, my, my, uh, I, 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 I have very few collapses, uh, very few, um, and 66 meters from the end of speed section, I, I can tell you the distance because I, I checked on my log track afterwards. I had a full collapse, the wings started spinning, a huge and nasty cravat on my left side and so on. So, um, to tell you the full story, I didn't sort it out first. At first, I went to the last 66 meters to, <laughs> to, to have my time. <laughs> then I was too low to, to, um, to stall my glider to clean out. So, um, I, 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 it was an interesting, uh, moment, but I sorted the thing and I could, I could climb back to, to the, to the line and to, 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 to finish it. <laughs> but I, uh, and, and the goal line was like five Ks after. So I, I kept on thinking, but where was my mind? Where was my mind? And I can't tell you. I think that 
for some personal reasons, I was not, my mind was not set on the comp. I, I was distracted by some other things. And I, I cannot tell you how and why it collapsed. And I cannot tell you what I was thinking. So the conclusion is be focused, <laughs> keep your mind on what you're doing because you are flying, you know, those machines can be animals sometimes. So, yeah, We're, this is, this is uh, jumping around a little bit, but I paid a lot of attention to the world championships this year, partly because a very good friend of mine and uh, co-ex Alps pilot, Cody Matank, a guy I train with quite a bit. He lives here in Utah. Um, did really well. He had a great race and uh, in Macedonia, but I was uh, watching it too because it, it seems like you know one of the things we learn when we first started getting into the comps. And you talk about your book in your book, and you make this distinction really well. But I think it's worth fleshing out. Is it's you know we used to fly very much. Uh, you know, glide to goal was what we were paying attention to in our instruments. It was foolish to, you know, uh, be thinking too much about glide to end of speed. Um, but now, clearly, everyone is flying glide to end of speed and and then mm -hmm. worrying about getting into goal. I mean, it just again and again and again. If you if you were flying glide to goal in the world championships, you were in the fifties or back. You know, you just had to hammer it to end a speed and then survive. Um, it's a, it's an interesting change that, well, I don't know if it's a change. You, you, you should remark on that. I've been in the game a lot less long, a lot, not nearly as long as you have in terms of competitions, but this seems to be an interesting change. Yeah, it's, uh, um, you're totally correct about this. It happened in the past, but not that often. Yeah. Uh, the frequency of it happening is, um, and it was uh, dramatic in, in Macedonia because uh, on many occasions, um, even pilots like um, Julien Viert or Charles Caso landed out due to that fact that they, they, they went down, down to the end of speed section and then they couldn't climb up and make the, the line. So I'm not totally at ease with this personally uh, <laughs> because I think uh, the, the risk now, not the physical risk, but tactical risk is so high. Sure. The point is that when what's at stake is a world champion title, so you you may be um, tempted to play the game. And we are playing a game also that is a bit different from the good old days. Um, it's a bunch of 50 guys coming together to go. And with, when 49 guys decide to glide, and to get low on the end of speed section, do you want to be the one guy who is smarter and will make the end of speed section higher and go, and then be sure to go to the goal line? Well, you you won't be that smart so long because you'll be three minutes behind. So, um, and if you want to play the game, you have to um, it, 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 you have to, to to play with the others. So um, it, it's more about tactics and the way we fly together now. Uh, which is much more homogeneous. Um, we, we are not that far from, um, uh, I'm not sure about the, 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 the word in English, but we are flying a um, single class competition more or less. Um, while in the past we had 10 different gliders uh, that were um, yeah. in, in, available. Mm. And now it's a bit different. It, I'm not complaining. It's, it's, it's simply a fact. Sure. And I'm really, I'm really happy with the gliders we are playing at the, uh, nowadays. 
you, in, in your book, you, you, you do a great job of talking about, you know, in, in when you're, when you're first really, you're, you're flying a lot of your first comps, you know, the, the first thing you really have to get good at is just the technical aspects. You have to become a good climber. You have to become a good glider. You have to learn how to stay with the gaggle, but then there's a jump. You have to, to, to win tasks, to uh, get on the podium. You really have to, Russ Ogden always talks about discipline uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, not, not being the rabbit, not doing crazy things too early, not leading out. And you, you talk about the difference in leading out in the mountains and in the flatlands, which is great mm-hmm. to call out the difference, but you do have to start learning how to break uh, and how to kind of follow your own intuitions like you did so fantastically in, in Serbia. Um, but it seems like we've had quite a few pilots on the show that have talked about to to know how to do that, they have to spend some time being the rabbit. You know, they have to spend a few years uh, bombing out a lot. How, yeah, how do you approach that? Be, yeah, but to be honest, that's that's also the fun part of being the rabbit. You know, so um, don't we practice for fun? So we do, and some pilots will be rabbits for. Um, the full extension of their life and that's good for them so but if you want to to to, to climb the, the the ladder and you know um, each step is more difficult than the previous one when you are going up the scale so um, making progress is possible for everyone but somehow you you know the marginal gains are getting smaller and smaller but the effort to to, to make those gains are getting higher and higher um, what you described, it's about your mental attitude and the mental control you have on yourself. So that's why I stressed out so much about the mental preparation. And I also, uh, we, we discussed about this personal journey, but, uh, yeah, I guess that if you want to reach the top position, you have to get a grab on yourself and to have an extreme control of the way you act and behave and take your decisions. Um, that might be counterproductive in terms of fun. Mm. Um, but that's a balance that everyone has to, to find in between feeling good as being for being a champion or feeling good because you're, you're proud of what you're, you've produced. Um, Myself, I think I've, uh, I evolved in that regard. I was really looking for top positions for a long time. And then I think in recent years, I really, I, I, I'm still competitive, I think. I really enjoy being at the top of the, of the list, be aware. But my priorities are a bit shifted towards fun instead of win. Is that because, Maxine, is that because of just time, the, the limited time you have, or just uh, age and coming to a different realization about the sport? Do you mean, uh, do, do I feel wise? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not so sure. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm young. It's simply that others are younger than me. That's my point. <laughs> <point. laughs> That's a great attitude. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, about this is that 
um, I came to realize uh, some years ago that I realized most of my dreams in, in paragliding. In, uh, I, I wanted a lot and I, 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 I achieved a lot in, in my, it's not pretentious. It's simply, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you I'm proud of what I'm, I, I don't. And I'm happy with this. Uh, but for some, for some ambitions that I had, um, uh, it, it has been very hard for me to, to accept that, um, uh, sometimes you have an external non-controllable cause on which you have no leverage or no influence. For example, um, to qualify for a world championship, that's something I've, I've never been part of and I will never be part of. And that has been really hard for me to accept that it's kind of resignation, but mm. I never resigned. It's simply that I've never been selected and that's the point, but accepting this, um, I don't mean it's fair or unfair. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean this. I mean that I had to realign myself and to, uh, we question the motivation I had and uh, the goals I set for myself. And once I, I went over that hurdle, then it was clearer the reasons for me, for flying, for traveling, for discovering new sites, for uh, uh, racing with friends. That's what I'm looking for. And I'm happy when I do that. At the end, with all those, all those things that are clear, I'm competitive. It's because my mind is clear that I'm doing good things. And if my mind is foggy or if I'm under the influence or of external uh, influence, then I won't be good. Mm. Uh, and I prefer to be clear with myself and to have my own goals. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was going to say for, for you to qualify for the world championships is, is a lot different than for us. It, you, you come from a tough country, man. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of talent. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have a volume and a quality of this volume of pilots that is really impressive. And they are all my friends. Be aware. I respect them as, as human beings, as pilots. They, they, most of them are really good friends. So, um, we, we, the level in France is incredibly high. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, it's 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 very impressive, and the and the the support system you have, and the coaching like you're talking about, and the and the I mean, I'm sure just the funds. Uh, you know, the, there's so many more people, so there's more people contributing to the sport. Uh, it's it's a we're very jealous. <laughs> yeah, we we also have a very good terrain. We have a, a high density of pilots. Um, the economic level of our country is not so bad. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we have a good, um, um, a good, uh, number of excellent pilots and there will be more in the future, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, talk about weaknesses and, and, and how you, uh, can you, you clearly, you spend quite a bit of time in both books on, you know, the, we talked about the journaling, but mm -hmm. how do you learn from them? Uh, how do you incorporate that into becoming a better pilot? Well, um, 
my opinion is that uh, maybe with the exception of Krieger, um, you can you cannot have all abilities. You cannot be good at everything. You cannot uh, uh, failure is part of the game, or weaknesses are part of the game. So I think they are necessary to be identified for you as a pilot. Um, because first, maybe you want to train them and to be big, better at them. So they, they are not any more weaknesses, but some will remain weaknesses. So you have to identify them so that they don't, they are, they are not an obstacle for your own performance. Um, you can be, um, what kind of example can we take? Um, maybe you're not good at following uh, others. Hmm. Um, well, then it's difficult in the kind of game we are playing now <laughs> with the gaggles. But then you will develop other abilities and other qualities like the analysis or the technical skills or the... the, the the the, 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 the the ability to climb fast or, or your decision-making process will be maybe better. So you will play on your, on your assets so that your weaknesses are not obstacles. Um, I, I'm, I'm convinced that we are playing at a game where everyone is making mistakes. It's, it's uh, uh, very difficult to to complete a full week of competition and being able at the end of the week to say, I have not made a single mistake. So the point is that we are making mistakes, but we want to minimize them, minimize them in terms of volume and of consequences. Mm. And even if we are making a mistake, we must be aware, self-aware of them so that we can correct them the fastest possible. I, I, I skipped over something uh, earlier that we should have talked about uh, with the physical preparation. Again, you spend time on this on both books, which I love because it's not just that, you know, we might have a five hour task and those are rarer and rarer these days, but we, we are looking to fly, you know, for a long period of time. And when you add up, you know, the hour before the start and then maybe a 120 K task, and you might have a tough section, it could very easily turn into a five hour task. But, you know, like in the flights, like Alex is doing or 10, 11 hour tasks, you, you say, you know, for a, a pretty typical five hour flight, flight, you could easily burn four to 5,000 calories. So it's not just the expenditure of the, of the energy, which is, that's massive. You know, that, that's a, that's a huge caloric need that day after day, uh, really adds up and especially something like the world championships. But what, you know, with my trainer for the XOPS, what we're always talking about too, is just the resilience and the durability of the body. Um, you know, you can take a pretty hard landing if you're fit and just walk away. You can't do that so much if you're a heavy smoker and you've never been to the gym. Right. So um, I totally concur. Uh, you summar summarized it quite well. I think it's it, it's necessary for the performance, um, for being fit for one task. It's also necessary for the recovery. So you're able to re reproduce your effort and also to have your mind correctly uh, working uh, because your you know your uh, your brain is um, a huge cons um, energy consumer. So um, if you want to think right, you need to eat right. So um, and you also need to drink right. 
Um, so that's why that's what I try to stress out with the the the, the uh, your the kind of food you you decide to eat in the morning or during your flight or at the end of the day is important. Um, um, maybe when you're young and full, you can do whatever you want and your body will just um, manage it. But um, on the long run, it does not work that good, in my opinion. Um, so that's why I went. Um, we have a, uh, an institute for sports uh, in France um, for Olympic sports. And they, 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 they have um, very interesting literature about um, the way we, we have to... To monitor food and the way we have to monitor um, or hydration, hydration. Hmm. And um, the point with hydration is that um, once you are dehydrated, it will take you a very long time to recover. It's not simply oh, I feel thirsty and I will have a drink and then it's over. No, if you are dehydrated, you'll be dehydrated for a long time. You, uh, and that's not something that we want to um, to face. So that's why we have to regulate our food intake and the, 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 the weather um, as well. Uh, I think also that what you pointed out is very important. Um, I had to use my rescue um, four times. Um, twice I, I smashed into a cliff and when your body is um, put under um, so much pressure and also shocks, uh, the fittest you are the best because it will it will be better for uh, absorbing the energy of um, of falling down on the ground, but also it will be better for your recovery after. So it's not only a matter of efficiency and. Um, being uh, fit during the task. But I, I, in my opinion, it's also a matter of safety to be fit. Could we, could we talk about maybe that if they're all interesting, all of them, but the, or the more interesting uh, reserve toss that you've, you've had, you, you said you have four, but um, I, I always think these are great learning opportunities unless they were just benign. But it doesn't sound well, like it if you crashed I, into a cliff. As soon as I pronounced that word reserve, I thought I, I just understood um, that you were asking about this. So yeah, <laughs> we can. Uh, I'm, I'm open to discussion about this. That's that's uh, that, that's fine. Uh, yeah, they all happen in um, uh, over two years. So it was a specific period of my career when I was um, making fast progress. And, you know, sometimes playing with the limit, you sometimes step over the limit. So I think it's, it's the summary of my, my story of uh, reserve tosses. Um, one of them was due to equipment. You know, I had a rise of failure. So this one we can skip out. Um, the, the story behind is nice because it was in South Africa and I landed out and I had three hours walking under the sun and monkeys and snakes and so on. But um, the flying part was, um, <laughs> uh, to be summarized to a rise or break, uh, failure. So that's, that's it. Wow. Um, I never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when you're sponsored, uh, your equipment uh, manufacturer is not really willing you to tell you about this. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll leave that one. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, about the others, yeah, um, it's about flying fast along cliffs. 
two of them, one of them uh, happened uh, in Saint-Hilaire, the other in Linz uh, during the European Championship. Um, and I... It was times also when we were flying prototypes. So I had either... Um, carbon rods or fiber rods into my wing and those were prototypes. So I'm not blaming them. It's simply that I could not get control back of, over them. And I used to use my reserve and I finished that story uh, by banging on the, or not only banging, but also walking, you know, under my reserve, walking on the cliff to, to, to stay away from it. So <laughs> I was, um, yeah, horizontal. And, um, yeah, in, in Saint-Hilaire, I landed in the cliff and my reserve was uh, hooked over um, some kind of route. And um, I was on a very small, um, my vocabulary is too, too, too short there, but I was on a very small step um, oh, flat on the, on, on the cliff. And so I was okay there. I was wondering, well, if the chopper comes to pick me up, how will he manage to get to get here? But then there was a thermal passing by, and so my reserve reinflated and um, de-hooked me from the from what? the cliff. So I, I, I had a second flight in the in the same um, no way. the same day. Yeah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's those are spectacular cliffs. That must have been exciting. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that's that's uh, an interesting memory. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And the one in Austria, yeah, it was due to um, my failure to. Um, uh, what happened is that um, uh, we we had a turn point that was um, slightly off the the cliff, and I wanted. I was. I think it, uh, I was in the front, like in top five of top, top ten position, and we were um, in a plus four um, against the cliff. And then I could see above the cliff that there was a nice um, water cloud. So I said, oh, it's maybe better to get far from the cliff right now before getting on top uh, to avoid uh, the water effect. Uh, so I was the first one to, to slightly um, uh, curve my route, you know, to get away from the cliff, to go to the turn point that was not so far. And I was the first one to <laughs> to collapse, um, and it was not a nice collapse. So I had two cravats and so on. So I I stole my glider, and uh, it took me a very long time to stabilize the stall. And once I I cleaned out the the, the 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 glider, I said, okay, now I have a window to to release the glider, but. Uh, falling along the cliff did not give me a clear position of the horizon. So when I decided to release the glider, you know that you have a window of opportunity. It's mm -hmm. when your glider is in front of you that you should release the glider when you're stalling. Uh, my glider was behind me. So uh, I had make, made an attempt to infinity tumble before it existed. Uh, and I failed. <laughs> I clearly failed, and I failed uh, into my lines, and so that was over. So I used my reserve on that. But uh, well, that's the story. You wanted to hear it. Um, this one was uh, really um, traumatic for me uh, because it happened during um, a European Championship. So I was so proud of being. Um, 
of, of representing my country it was so important for me uh, you know um, mm. uh, the country flag and so on so uh, I was really disappointed of about what was happening and also the conditions and I think I was not in the right um, mindset again uh, I wa- it was the first flight of the camp and it had it had been a very difficult uh, process to get to the start point of this first task. So um, uh, I think I was. Um, you mean with you, ta- with you I, mentally, it was very difficult to get to the start point, or just the 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 actual race, like they had weather or something. No, no, no. no. The, the process to be present on takeoff that okay. day. Got you. Yeah, you were distracted. Yeah. And, um, but this one, I took it seriously because I really asked myself, Hey, is it really something I, 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 I'm looking for in life to, 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 to smash into uh, cliffs or, or what about my skills? Am, 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 am I out of my abilities here? Or so I stopped flying for several months. I looked for some um, expert on psychological support. Um, I went to meet the first one that was recommended by my federation, but it's a matter of um, of match. So uh, I think our personalities did not match. I, I did not like the guy, but he gave me some very interesting um, books to read. He helped me understand some... Um, mechanical behavior of our, of our mind, so it, it was very profitable profitable for me. Yeah. But the guy was not the right one, so I found another one who who was a, who was a former high level sports guy. Um, um, he was practicing um, um, kung fu and karate and so on. So, but whatever. Um, uh, in in in. A matter of a couple of hours or maybe three times I met him, I could have um, a clean plate in front of me. So I, it was, um, I, I found my answers and I found my solutions and uh, I, I came back to flying because that's really something I like. And I I went back um, to the practice hill also to practice more and to increase my ability to recover uh, collapses and to also prevent collapses. And I, since then, it was in 2010, I never had any more major uh, incidents in the last nine years. So, um, But it was really necessary to go through that. It was, uh, I, I, I'm talking of, of this maybe uh, with some distance now, but it was really necessary and really important for me. Can you, can you summarize? I, I want to dig into that. Can you summarize? Because I, I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of pilots have dealt with what, what you're describing there, I would call like a fear injury. You, know, you called it traumatic, uh, you know, throwing your reserve going into the lines the first day. But there's also, you know, beyond the fear of and the, the, the incident, it was the, the trauma of representing your country and being at the Europeans and being the first day. Um, mm-hmm. Can you summarize what he did for you and, and the work that you had to do? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, it's a long time ago. Um, and also, uh, I think 
I'm not denying things, but also maybe I'm forgetting things. You know, I'm I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm telling you again, I'm young, but you're younger than me, so um, <laughs> uh, maybe um, I have some trouble with my memory. No, 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 I'm I'm serious now. Um, yeah, it's about um, uh, your motivations. Uh, so that's a kind of starting point. Uh, why are you doing this? But also, um, for what are you doing this? What um, what is your um, benefit of practicing? So that's not a motivation; that's a result. And uh, what can you bring home once you have done uh, a nice flight? Or and so it helped me. Um, to see clearer into my motivations, maybe also in that period when I was making fast progress, my ego was um, uh, not well, maybe overdeveloped, but it was a very pregnant thing. While the pleasure, um, the ambience, the sharing time with friends and so on was um, uh, something that I could not see. But in fact, that was my real motivation, you know. And uh, so I came back to traveling, meeting people, and uh, discovering new sites. That's that's what it, it, what is important for me. Also, it helped me in identifying better my own personal values. My values are what are my core uh, beliefs um, and core uh, characteristics that will um, help me define um, my action and my course of action. Uh, and I, I can tell you, for example, that um, work is something impo important for me, um, but justice as well. And um, I felt like um, I'm hurt when something I feel is not fair, for example, fairness, if you don't like justice. Mm -hmm. um, uh, respect is something very important. So I have to respect myself. I have to respect others and I have to respect the conditions. Uh, and so once you have made that list of three, four, five values, um, it will give you a clear bearing of, um, first it will give you a clear position of where you are, who you are, and then the bearing of where you want to go and what's the, um, reward. Uh, you expect and you will uh, deserve once you you follow your own um, uh, your own path. And, um, yeah, your book is it's it's so timely for me um, because it's yeah I'm going through a lot. I, I think motivation is such an important aspect of this, and it, when you and you you talk about this in your book very well, but you know for like for me when you. When you're first learning and you go to comps, not to win, but to learn, you know, they're going to be good to, they're going to be great teaching tools. You're going to learn a ton about uh, all the technical aspects and also tactics and all the things you talk about in your book. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're, they're quite, at least for me, they're quite easy to enjoy. And then, then things shift and then it's, oh, I could actually do really well here. And so your motivation shifts and, you know, part of where I'm struggling in my own flying career right now is that 
I try to look forward and anticipate uh, what that could be like. You know, so the big projects I've done, like the Rockies Traverse or the Alaska Project, uh, what's so hard about those is that they end. You know, what's so hard about the X Alps is that it ends. You put so much effort into the training and the preparation and the logistics and the team. And, and then you have this magnificent experience, Alaska, Rockies, whatever, uh, comps, you know, and then it ends. Um, and mm-hmm. so right now I'm in this position of trying to decipher the, the correct motivation for the future. You know, is if I put a ton of energy into competitions and, you win a super final, for example, or you win it, you know, that's fantastic. That's a lot of fun, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, right. Um, I, I don't know what my question is there, but you, you, you talk about this very well in your book and it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, it seems to me like the, the more, uh, sage path is the one you've chosen now, which is to just go do it, to have fun and to be with your friends. Uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what the question is. It's more just, yeah, 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 no, but I, I, I see the, the, the course of the discussion and that, um, I think it's about self-assessment and, um, self-awareness. Um, there is a there. There are lots of works at the moment about um, what is called um, uh, full consciousness, you know. Um, but it's really um, there are many um, works, uh, medical works about the way our brain is working and um, how social it is or emotional our brain is. It's not only irrational. And um, what, what you're describing is that you you prepare yourself to. To suffer and to participate uh, into an, an, an event, and when it comes to the end, well, you you're lost. Yeah. Uh, and and but the point is that where are you present during the execution? Where are you there in the moment where you performed? Was your mind open to grab all the positive vibes that were around you when you were? Somewhere lost in the exiles or somewhere lost in the Rockies. Um, it's uh, if you're simply struggling and willing the the to do well or willing to achieve a certain result or to prove things to yourself or to others, maybe you are not in the right. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not criticizing, Gavin. Be aware. I'm, no, I'm, no, I'm, no, no. You're talking about extrinsic and intrinsic. You do it really yeah. well in the first book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it's about being, you know, um, there is a saying in, in I, I don't know if it translates well into English, but it, um, uh, for many sports, it's about being um, myself here now. Um, so I have to get rid of whole pollution i have to uh, to be in the present and not in the past or in the future and um i have to 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 be at the task at hand and not at doing something else so it means that you you need to live in the moment uh, well it's a kind of um, philosophical uh, philosophical sentence at two cents but um um, and I think it, it can help as well uh, um, 
to, to not feel that emptiness after an, an event because you will not be empty if you are filling up yourself during the event of everything good that you are doing and you are doing this thing because you like it, because you enjoy being there. So you, 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 you must be aware of your joy at that moment when you feel it. Mm. And if you don't feel it, maybe you should look for another activity. Mm. Yeah, they, they, I, I did all these interviews with the, a bunch of the athletes after the race. We're just about to release our, our third one. And this was a very common theme. Uh, you know, Kriegel talked about it in his 2009, his first campaign in 2009 and then 2011 that he kind of went into a really dark place afterwards. And he's he's solved that by uh, now he has just more goals. You know, b- before the race even starts, he's already has goals for other events that he's doing. And for me, I I want to not have to have other goals to fill that space. I want to delve into that space. You know, I want to live mm-hmm. in that and understand it and feel it and uh, not solve it. I don't know if it's even solvable, but like you said, be present in the, in the, in the being done with the race, you know, that, that yeah. these are, these are, uh, these are parts of life that we have to go through and it can't all be the rush of the X Alps. That's just, that's ridiculous. But I think that's, I think that's what we all struggle with is that, that adrenaline, that high, that, you know, the, the things that we feel in competition are, are very lucrative for our minds and it's hard to mm-hmm. give it up. Yeah, yeah. What you describe about, um, the goal setting also is very important in my opinion. Um, uh, if you simply have one goal that is too easy, then you, you, you will not be so happy about reaching your, your target. And if you have a, a goal that is too high, then it's going to be difficult and you may resign. But having only one goal, I think it's not a good idea. Having several goals and intermediate steps um, is, I think it's the right approach. And it will help you develop also your self-esteem. So uh, every time you reach an intermediate goal, hey, you made some progress so you can measure it. And then you have a a tangible way of uh, assessing yourself in a positive way. So uh, this goal setting is really important for self-esteem, your self-confidence and your motivation. And, um, yes, what you, 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 I'm not so surprised about what you said about Kriegel and the, 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 the change he had to do because also Kriegel is, uh, having, um, I think quite good pre- mental preparation. Yeah, I think he spends a lot of time on that. I think, I think his confidence is consistently the, and there, there's there's all the reasons that Kriegel is Kriegel, uh, but it's I think it's the confidence. To me, it's the confidence that stands out. And I, I think about it constantly, even during the race. You know, that mm-hmm. it, it becomes so imperative to stay in the air. It's pretty hard to fly as fast as he does because he's so confident he's not going to deck. And but in the X Alps, I mean, it's it's not the same as in a you know in a 
you know, PWC, if you bomb out, you know, you've got the, you've got FTV mm-hmm. working for you and you have a lot of, you know, <laughs> and, and you get in a car, you know, in, in the X-Ups, you've got to run up another mountain again and you've maybe lost two precious hours of the day and that's the difference. And it's, but his confidence to do, to can just consistently take risk and to gamble, mm-hmm. not risk with his life. I'm not talking about that kind of, I'm talking about just flying fast and flying low and flying straight. Uh, you know, man, that's, that's a whole other level. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I participated in several I can fly competition here in France and the world. And um, I remember, um, it's funny because I, I participated twice in the air tour. And um, the first one, I spoiled it because I decided to take off in conditions where I shouldn't have decided that. So um, uh, hopefully uh, a tree was there to, to save me and to grab my tip, um, the, my, my, my glider tip um, when I inflated. And um, I was grateful for that because um, the flying would have not been nice. So, but then I felt so stupid because I was exhausted, I was willing to move forward, I was not so bad position, so I was playing the game of the race and so on. So, but I was, I was really hungry with myself. I spent the next day walking. I, 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 I was not able to decide whether it's a, 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 a nice grassy slope with a light breeze was, um, was good to be used as a, as a takeoff. I was simply um, pissed off with myself. I, I, I needed to um, exhaust myself uh, by walking the, the day after. And two years, uh, the, 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 two years after, I participated in, uh, again in the air tour. And then I was with a friend again in, in a rather good position. And we were facing, um, we were on top of a mountain. It was quite windy. He decided to take off. And I had still the memory of that previous uh, edition. And I say, no, I don't feel it. I won't, I, I will not do it. And then I went down, went up again on another takeoff and so on. So I, I lost the race there and I was again so pissed off with myself. <laughs> so making decisions under so much stress and exhaustion, well, that's another level. And you went through that also much more than I did. And, um, the combination of physical exertion together with um, uh, with having decisions to take is a really difficult game. I'm impressed by the low level of accidents also. I think we have a, such an, a preservation instinct that helps us mm. under such situation. But um, you will be the interviewee. I will be the interviewer the next time we, we talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is remarkable the lack of accidents. I mean, there was a there were there were a lot of people that had to pull out with injury in 2017, which was interesting because the the, the weather in 2017 was really terrifically bad, and it was basically just flyable or not flyable. But there were still a lot of accidents, mostly that, that early on with all the fern, but. Um, but the, the 2015 race it, for me at least was way scarier because we, we were flying in a lot of wind, almost that entire race with a couple of exceptions, you know, day one was, was perfect, but the rest of it was, was so windy. And it's really interesting to me, the, 
the headspace that I think most of the people in the race get into. You get into this headspace where nothing is going to go wrong. You, you have, mm -hmm. you have the move day after day, you know, you're exhausted and you know that, you know, you're probably not, but you, it just doesn't matter. It's, it's very strange. I mean, literally the day after the race, I would go flying in conditions that are half that bad and they would be terrifying. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to handle that go land. It's just, it's, it's a, it's an incredible, uh, I guess you talk about flow in your book. I, I guess it's yeah. like an extended state of flow that you get in where you just, you just have the move, you know, you, I've got this. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's I, I'm sure that's part of the addiction. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I have read uh, years ago a definition of flow in Consequential Magazine, but I think the definition I have, or maybe it's the French approach, that is a bit different. Um, mm. It's 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 when you're you're you you don't need your cognition, you 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 don't need to make a decision. Your body will act uh, according to the feelings mm -hmm. uh, you have. So it goes direct from you know from information to action. Uh, overstepping the decision phase. There is no decision. It, it, it's, it's, you're simply doing things because that's the things to be done. And you are fully, as we said before, uh, you are fully yourself there in the moment. Um, and there is no distraction. Uh, also, um, it's, it's a state where um, um, you, the, the, the time passes by quite slowly. You have the impression that everything is mm -hmm. slow and you have the impression that everything is smooth, you know, a bit blurred. And, um, well, you have to be low, to be light on the booze also. So I'm not talking about this. So, um, uh, you, you have to, to be, um, fully in, um, possession of your, uh, your capabilities to do that. I totally agree. The, the Maxime, I want to, I've got pages and pages of notes here, but I, I also want to be mindful of your time. If, if you wouldn't mind, there's just, you know, I kind of wrote some highlights of, of uh, many different aspects. So you know, these aren't necessarily in a particular order, uh, mm -hmm. but feel free to answer them in a long format. But could I just touch on some topics in your book and you expound however you want. And some of them you might not want to expound on at all, but like for exist, for example, uh, fly full bar permanently if climbs are greater than two meters. Talk about that, but in relation to the time of the, you know, the, the beginning and the middle and the end of a competition, because you, you, we talk about, you know, you don't fly, you typically don't just press the full gas in the first third of the race. You know, you're, you're a lot more conservative. You're being disciplined. You're flying in the gaggle. But uh, anyway, talk about that. Yeah. So, um, by the way, I, I might read, uh, I might, I might write another book in a couple of years because things are evolving a bit. But um, mm. um, first of all, we are discussing here about speed. And everyone has to be aware that to fly fast, you have to climb fast. You know, uh, it's not because you're flying fast that you will, you will climb fast. It's the other way around. You have to be first a good thermal um, pilot. You have to, to first focus on your uh, abilities to climb fast in thermals. Then you'll be, you'll be in a position to fully use the, the, the full extent of your speed bar. 
Then about this um, flying at um, at full bar as soon as there is a plus two meters per second, um, it's a matter of relation to the Mac ready, um, and that's the first point. The second point is due to the fact that we are flying in gaggles, so that the the time to identify and center a thermal is reduced compared to someone who is flying alone across country flight. Hmm. So um, about uh, this MacReady thing is the MacReady theory tells you that if you um, if you anticipate uh, a certain value at the end of your glide, then there is an optimal speed to be taken. So um, the stronger the expected thermal, the faster you'll fly. And the second point is about um, probability. Uh, when you fly in a gaggle, uh, the probability to find or to go through a thermal zone is getting much higher than when you are one or only two pilots isolated. So this will increase your tendency to fly fast because you you will gain from a stronger thermal without losing time for looking for it. Then about the, the use of the speed along the course of a task. Uh, I think that's where things have changed a bit in the recent years. Um, yes, people tend to be conservative at the, at the beginning, but that's not so true. It's also depending on who is present there and the perception they have of what is called the leading bonus. Um, some pilots are tempted to go in front at the beginning of the race because they think they will be rewarded by more leading bonuses. So that's a psychological effect, but that can that can that can that can raise the path, uh, the pace, sorry, uh, of, uh, of the of the race. Mm. And yes, the closer you get to the end of your task, uh, the, the 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 friendlier people get so <laughs> uh, because you you feel the smell of going back home and you want to be the first there so um, and you don't you don't you don't you don't you don't take full hate in thermal you simply grab the best of it and as soon as it decreases you go for finding another one and you you are more going from bubbles to bubbles than from thermal to thermal mm. And for those of you listening too, I I think it's beyond the scope of the conversation now because these are these are well not necessarily complicated concepts, but important concepts that you really need to understand. And and Maxime, you've done a really good job of that. But it's not just McCready, but Reichman and Cochran. Uh, these are sailplane pilots that have you know come up with some very good concepts. That it's it's quite for me at least. Uh, it really helped to understand all three of those together and to, to use yeah. all of those three together and yet still understand the where they where they don't factor for our speeds and our glide compared to sailplanes. So you have to you have to kind of couple that on top of that. But I, I look forward to trying to put all these in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and, and utilizing them because the the Reichman and Cochrane were, were new to me, so I, I appreciate that you point those pointed those out. Um, I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if you want to comment on this, but I just I, I love this quote or I love this thought. Will conditions it, the right question is not will conditions improve, but are conditions good enough? Uh, I like that. Yeah, 
uh, again, it's about. Um, I, I would. Um, that uh, you're, you're touching something sensitive about the, the purpose of my books. I, I, I think, or I'm willing, um, my books to be for every pilot. But for sure, I have a competition background, a competition um, image. Um, the name performance is really related to comparing yourself to others, while performance is about uh, taking the best off, out of yourself and um, reaching your best possible level. That's what I, I would like everyone to reach. Um, so, um, yeah, so the conditions. If you are flying in a competition, who cares about weather analysis? I'm, I'm sorry to be <laughs> that bold, but you're, everybody will be flying in the same condition. So. Um, if, if you're on takeoff waiting for conditions to improve, but the window is open on the start is in 15 minutes, or even if the start is in one hour, if the conditions are good, just take off and fly. Don't wait for something hypothetical or on which you have no control to happen. And that's true as well for flying. You have to, to be aware of the evolution of the conditions, uh, is there a veil coming? Is the wind picking up? Uh, what about shadows? Um, so sure, you have to take the information as it comes and you have to also anticipate on the evolution of these conditions, but don't bet on the future. Just take conditions as, as they are. I think it's related to what we said before. Yeah, for sure. Um, Touch briefly on because I don't I don't know that this needs to too much more than what you put in your book, but it I, this was also interesting for me to just think about. Even though I think it's naturally, I think we all naturally understand it. But optimized waypoints and wind, tailwind, headwind, and then optimized waypoints and terrain. Yeah. So about this, um, you have to be good with vectors <laughs> to understand it. Mm. Uh, Maybe some drawing will be also um, uh, interesting to, to help people understand. But if you are going um, headwind to a turn point, and then once you've, you've tagged the, the turn point, you'll go backwind. Um, so you're going north, for example, to a waypoint, you tag it, and then you go south. Every time you take a thermal in your way to the, to the turn point, you will slightly draft, uh, drift backward. While if you go for the turn point, tag the turn point, and then go backwind, then the wind will drift you in the right direction. It's pretty easy to understand. Mm -hmm. And this can be turned into an equation and into a model to show you that if you are, for example, facing a 10 or 15 kilometers per hour wind, and if you decide to to take a 0 0.5, in fact, you are just not climbing. You are on your glide ratio to the turn point. So it's not worth taking a 0 0.5 meters per second. But if you go to the turn point and come with the, the, wing, the wind in your back and you find a one meter per second with 15 kilometers back wind, it's equivalent to a two meters per second. So 
it's maybe a bit different to um, difficult to understand, but what you read on your wire as the average speed of climb is not the real speed of climb because it contains also a part of your um, drifting towards or backwards related to the turn point and to your goal. So that's when the, the wind is um, facing you or pushing you. And then about wind coming from right or left, then, for example, if you are two guys um, gliding together and the wind, the wind is coming from the, your right side, uh, I would recommend you to, to slightly change your direction and be on the right side of the, of the game. Because if your friend on the left find a thermal, then you will be pushed by the wind to reach him. While if he's on your, or if you find a thermal, he will have to fight against the wind to reach your position. So it might be five meters, 10 meters gain, but hey, look at classification incomes now and you'll see that every meter is important. And I also liked how you pointed out, you have these great little summaries at the end of each chapter, but when in doubt, if you're thermaling in wind, and when in doubt, thermal towards the sun or towards the wind, or both. But that, that you know, uh, it's, it's such a, I mean, it, I think I've done that naturally, but it, I, I like that you put it in my brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I think There's a lot you're, of things exactly, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, we are doing things naturally and also because we have experience. So uh, not everything is conscious in our mind, you know, but you, when you accumulate the experience, then your, your brain will keep what worked out correctly and what didn't work out even without you being conscious of that another and that's why you are doing the right thing yeah and another un unconscious one but also really good to point out in in flatlands you know we we divide the sky up you, you talk about dividing the sky up into into the thirds layer and this is one of the things i learned very early on um, but when you're in a group, so when you're solo, that's really what you're thinking about. You're thinking about flying the terrain. If you're low, you're thinking about flying the clouds and the terrain. If you're in the middle and you're just flying the clouds or the sky when you're up top, but when you add the group dynamic to it, then it becomes a percentage of that versus flying the people. And again, it's, I think, you know, it's, a, it's just, these are good things that you've, you've pointed out. I don't know if that needs comment, but, um, yeah, that, I like that a lot. And then with mountains, so I had always heard the thirds, regardless of flatlands or mountains, but you say drop it in the mountains and just you, you only have the, you, you forget the two thirds and you divide it into two halves. Yeah, you have terrain and you have the sky. That's it. Yeah, no, easy. But again, I, I, I like the <laughs> differentiation. Um Improving position. You talk about when you're solo, you're limiting collateral damage. I take that as just to be, you know, try to limit the mistakes. Yeah. Um, talking about this, that gives me an opportunity to talk about those leading points we mentioned before. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not happy with the way currently scoring is working. So, um, and especially with leading points, I think they are not rewarding the right qualities. And I will give you an example, uh, Brazil again, two, two, three weeks ago in a 100 kilometers task, 
I stupidly decided to have an initiative on the first glide, so after 10 kilometers. And it did not work out. So you can call me stupid. I would be totally in agreement with you. Um, but then I went on the chase mode to catch up with my <laughs> friends that went away. I took a new start uh, from where I was. And then I had a 5Ks, um, 5 kilometers um, disadvantage. And for the next 80 kilometers, I took all possible initiatives and I took my lines. I, I couldn't catch up with anyone because they were all flying together in the group uh, in the front. So um, I, 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 and, and at, at the, the 80 Ks, no, at the 90 Ks mark, 10 Ks from goal, coming from a different line, I could top up the, the, the lead gaggle. And I was so happy with this. And then I could make it to goal, I would say, in the fifth or 10th position. What happened when the classification was out was pretty expected. I dropped out to the 60th place, maybe, or even worse, because I had no leading bonus. Uh, all those guys in the gaggle, we didn't take any initiative, but just flew together, you know, good friends, they stay together. They had whole maximum yeah, attack yeah. points yeah. or leading bonuses, yeah. while I took all possible tactical risk and make, uh, took initiatives and not being rewarded by this. So right. I, I'm, I'm I, sorry, I, I, sli I slightly slided away from your question just to sneak out uh, my, my comment, <laughs> but, uh, you see what I mean and what I feel. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, and this is something that, uh, you know, I just personally struggle with because I'm not, uh, you know, math is not, I'm not real strong at math. I'm not an engineer, but I see a, a lot of the really good pilots, like, you know, one of my mentors is Josh Cohn. He's, you know, just terrifically consistent and he's always one to watch. He's always a threat, you know, and he, like you, he doesn't get a ton of hours, but he can show it up, up, up at a comp and he's got a really good chance to win it regardless of the level mm -hmm. it is. Um, but he's also one that I know like, like really understands FTV and really understands lead points. And he really gets into the details of, of all this. And I just, I don't have that kind of mind. How important mm -hmm. is it to really understand that? Or is it better just, you know, just, just fly the day? I think not all of us are the same. So, um, I think the answer is personal. So, um, if you're there for the comp, you fly the comp and that's it. And, um, I, 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 don't, I, I don't see a very good answer to, to this question. In fact. Yeah. So, um, I just, I, like, well, with like with the lead points, I just, I don't yeah. know really what the best move there is. It just seems like I, mm -hmm. I understand why they're doing it, but it doesn't, like you said, I don't, it doesn't seem like it's rewarding the right thing. Yeah, the, the, the story behind is that if we go back to the origin of those leading bonuses, they were called early birds for the, the hang gliders. So um, the purpose of having uh, those leading points in the system uh, into the gap formula uh, is related to, to stargaze. Yes, right. So now we are trying to, to fix some wound or to fix some problem with not the right tool. And um, I designed um, another kind of scoring, you know, the time-based scoring. And Jörg Evald made a really great job of uh, improving this. And now it's, uh, it's catching up on, on various countries, on various competitions. Um, 
I don't pretend it's solving everything, but I think at least it's more legible and more understandable both for the pilots and for the public. So, um, uh, because I really want to find something else. There's, those leading bonuses are, are, are not rewarding the right behavior. Mm. Um, you called out goal altitude or glide ratio to goal and this was something I just felt kind of silly to not pay enough attention to, but I've never really paid much attention to goal altitude. I'm always looking at glide ratio to goal. So just briefly discuss why we should be paying attention to the other. Yeah. Um, so let's make things simple. Uh, we have wings that fly more or less at a glide ratio of 10. Um if we are facing wind, for example, uh, maybe this glide ratio will drop to seven or six. Um, a glide ratio compared to the to the ground, uh, because we have this uh, front wind, headwind. The point is that maybe the wind could pick up only slightly by five kilometers more, and then your your glide ratio will drop to 5.5 instead of 6. So you, you may think that it's not really important, but in fact, it's really important. And the way you can assess the importance of this change in the glide ratio is the altitude above goal. This altitude above goal gives you the risk that you're taking. If you see that you had a 200 meters above the goal line at 6 to 1, Maybe 5.5 will cut that by half or maybe reduce it to nil. So it gives you another perspective about um, your chances to reach the goal and the margin or the risk, tactical risk that you take uh, um, for reaching goal. Uh, by the way, some instruments uh, use a kind of um, security altitude, like maybe 50 meters, to be sure that you reach the line at 50 meters above goal, so that your glide ratio to goal is not compared to the ground, but to some virtual point 50 meters above the ground. And then you can compare your glide ratio to the glide ratio of your wing to see if you're on, on glide or above or below it. Mm. Uh, variable activation. Uh, you, you talk about biathlon, which I thought was a really good, uh, comparison, but can you mm -hmm. talk about optimal activation point and body activation versus mind activation? Yeah. So, um, activation, we could, um, describe it at the level of heating or energy of your body and mind. So um, we can clearly imagine that someone who is entering a, a boxing arena has a high <laughs> activation, while if you're playing chess, mm, you should have a lower activation than the boxing guy. <laughs> um, and we are both boxing and playing chess while flying. So... Um, it's a, a matter of first, when we take off, we will have, as we discussed before, we will have some energy consumption. We should be at the right temperature. And who amongst us is having a jog or even a, a, a stroll, a walk before 
uh, getting into the harness and walking to the to the to the takeoff. So we should warm ourselves before before taking off because we will produce some effort. And then during the flight, there will be phases when thermaling, when we are active, and we need to also have a good sensitivity, and we will be physically um, active with our arms. And then on glide, maybe we will use much less our physical abilities. We will still be pushing with our legs, but we will use a bit more for mind. So this activation is to to have the right level of acti- of uh, energy and activation depending on which phase we are into. Uh, are we thermaling? Are we preparing the future? Are we gliding? Are we seeking for thermal? All of this depends and will uh, necessitate a different level of activation. Not so. It's an, it's not a big spread, but it's there are some variations above uh, around the average and that leads uh perfect segue into that's all kind of decision making and talk about the funnel well the um, the funnel is um something that i well i don't know if it's me but uh, it's 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 a kind of a concept where um before taking off before the briefing you can collect all possible sources of, of information. You don't have many decisions to make, but you accumulate information. And the more you go toward your flight, the more you have to narrow the um, possible annoyance that you feel from the exterior. I mean, you, 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 you it's like a, your vision, it has to be wide and then you have to focus slowly and slowly into your own flight. And that's why I not I don't like to be interrupted uh, when I'm getting into my, my harness because that's when I want to stop uh, interferences from the exterior. I just want to center myself on myself. And I don't need additional weather information or information about the course. I know it. So... I, I, I focus on what I need uh, in terms of resources to take the right decision for what's coming. Coming, What's coming is, do I take off or not? Do I turn left or right of the takeoff? That's what I need to, to think about at that moment. So um, this funeral is a kind of, um, um, of process where you start your day at the breakfast by chatting and by discussing and by taking all kinds of possible information until the time you take off and you have to be by yourself for yourself. Hmm. You have this thought on learning to lose. I'm just going to read this. This is directly from your book. I just, I really liked the distinction here. Learning to lose is not learning from failures. Learning to lose requires psychological work on oneself to be able to choose the right mindset. To learn from failures is to look for causes and cor- and correct. Yeah, to look for causes they're, they're, and corrects, and then not and then not respect them. Yeah, you you there is lessons to be taken from many experiences, you know. So um, that's way of um, of uh, keeping your motivation as well. 
Um, and uh, not being uh, in at the bottom of the pit and sad and they're, they're, we are living experiences and and those will enrich us. Yeah. So um, I, I I I don't say that there is always something positive to be taken out of an experience. No, but there is something to be learned as a possible way of improvement, for example or as something that you don't want to reproduce because you're not proud of it. And it's not necessarily like a positive, a strict positive attitude. It's also about a, a, an attitude of, um, of uh, resilience, of being able to build from what you leave. Yeah, and I, I want to correct what I said there. It's not respect, but the, the last part of that was to learn from failures to, is to look for causes, correct them, and then not repeat them. I said respect exactly. them, which is totally different. Um, <laughs> Maxime, let's see. There's one more that I wanted to talk about, and then I've got to let you go. I know you've got to go get your, your kids, and this is I could talk to you for hours, and I can't wait to fly with you and actually talk to you at a comp. I'm sure that will happen one of these days. but. Um, just finally, back to decision making too. The actually, I'm going to completely change this. The when I look at comps, the really high level comps, you very consistently see the same people. Um, you know, you have your incredible talents, and I would call them rabbits, like a Maxime. You know, who's just an incredible pilot, um, but he's got a pretty good chance of being in the top five and also 80th because he's, you know, he pushes so hard. And I think that that's, you know, that's part of his, he's trying to learn how to just consistently fly fast. But when you look these, you know, especially in the last couple of years, um, you know, you're very, in the top 10, you're seeing six or seven of the same pilots over and over again. What have they really learned? And you talk about this in the book. Is there any, I mean, there are all the obvious things that they've learned, but how do you think of them? Well, first I respect them. So, of course. <laughs> so uh, I, I think them uh, of them in in a great way. Um, I, I think, in my opinion, consistency is really um, a differentiator or something that, uh, if a pilot is consistent, in my opinion, that's what a good pilot should be. So, um, but that's that's a pers- that's an opinion, you know. So maybe others will have different opinions and. Uh, also, I think that we fly like we are on um, pilots who are reproducing again and again very high level of performance. They are not nervous people in the life. They are calm. They are cool. And I, I think that's the, the, the pressure is having little influence on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, some others like Onoa, well, they they, they 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 fly and they work with pressure, and that's also a source of motivation and energy for them. So, um, but most of the very regular pilots are smooth, you know, um, no heads, <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, I'm trying to see. Uh, I think about my friends um, like Julien Viers or pilots like this. Also, pilots that are not so well known like Yuris Vidic, and they are so consistent over the years and over the comps. I'm so impressed by what they are able to produce. I think that cool and calm thing is a really good call out. Uh, I, I think you're. I think that's you know when I when I look at Kriegel, you know, it's compared to everybody else in the X Alps. He's very cool. He's very calm. You know, in 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 many ways, he seems to be enjoying it the most because he's so calm. And, and so I think that that's that's a good call out. That's a good point. Yeah, and I think it's also self fueling the the the, the self confidence. You know, for example, so. Yeah, they, they 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 are just aware or unsure of what they can produce, and they have no doubt. So yeah, things are good for them. Mm. Maxine, there's so much we can talk about here. Your books are mm-hmm. packed with information. Uh, for those of you listening, if you haven't read them, go out right now, grab them. They're both on Kindle. They're just terrific reads. They're something I go back to over and over again. Uh, thanks for helping me, Maxime, and thanks for helping so many of us with uh, such great concepts and, and great things that we can really execute on. So. Thank you. Uh, you're a treasure. I really appreciate your work, and I can't wait to fly with you one of these days. I can't believe we haven't. I really would like to fly with you as well, Gavin. I really appreciate, and that was a really nice conversation. We feel like we are well. We are passionate, and we could we could talk for hours about this. And it's really an interesting matter that we are sharing. We are we are a community, and um, it's a it's a matter of passion and pleasure all this yeah. absolutely thank you thank you Gavin thank you Maxime talk soon if you find the cloud-based mayhem valuable you can support it in a lot of different ways you can give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast that goes a long ways and helps spread the word you can blog about it on your own website or share it on social media. You can talk about it on the way up to launch with your pilot friends. I know a lot of interesting conversations have happened that way. And of course, you can support us financially. This show does take a lot of time, a lot of editing, a lot of storage and music and all kinds of behind the scenes cost. So if you can support us financially, all we've ever asked for is a buck a show. And you can do that through a one-time donation through PayPal, or you can set up a subscription service that charges you for each show that comes out. We put a new show out every two weeks. So, for example, if you did a buck a show and every two weeks, it'd be about $25 a year. So way cheaper than a magazine subscription, and it makes all of this possible. Uh, I do not want to fund this show with advertising or sponsors. We get asked about that uh, pretty frequently, but I for a whole bunch of different reasons, which I've said many times on the show, I don't want to do that. I don't like having that stuff at the front of the show. And I also want you to know that these are authentic conversations with real people. And these are just our opinions, but our opinions are not being skewed by sponsors or advertising dollars. I think that's a pretty toxic business model. So I hope you dig that. Um, you can support us. If you go to cloudbasedmayhem.com, you can find the places to support. You can do it through patreon.com forward slash cloudbasedmayhem. If you want a recurring subscription, you can also do that directly through the website. Uh, we've tried to make it really easy, and that will give you access to all the bonus material, little video casts that we do and extra little uh, nuggets that we find in conversations that don't make it into the main show, but we feel like you should hear. We don't put any of that behind a paywall. If you can't afford to support us, then just let me know and I'll set you up with an account, of course, that'll be lifetime. And hopefully you're being in a position someday to be able to support us. But 
You'll find all that on the website. Uh, all of you who have supported us or even joined our newsletter or bought Cloud-Based Mayhem merchandise, T-shirts or hats or anything, you should be all set up. You should have an account. And you should be able to access all that bonus material now. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support, and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you. Thank you.